Manchester United. Can they find something here? Big chance for Richard. He's done it again. And it's a goal. Unbelievable. What about this? Dylan Piraeus. His first touch of the game. And Diamante again! Oh, he's done it! Twice! He's chipped the keeper! Presented by Simmons. It's the Green Room on FNR. Football Nation Radio. Welcome back to the official Western United Club show. Coming to you live here on FNR Football Nation Radio. It is the Green Room, presented proudly by Simmons Homes, the great Australian builder. I'm Josh Parrish, and usually with me in the studio would be Nick Hughes, but... uh, Health and safety protocols prevail, such as the world we're living in at the moment. On the Zoom call as well, assistant coach Hayden Fox. Uh, good evening to you, Hayden. Um, how you doing, Josh? I'm doing really well, mate. Thank you so much for, for making the time to join us on what must be a pretty busy away trip. Uh, it's been an important team bonding experience, though, I hear. Yeah, look, well, fortunately, we spent the week away because of you know the games that we missed uh, in the previous three or four weeks due to COVID and teams having, you know, cases and we, us having cases. So uh, the schedule's kind of been thrown around a little bit. Um, and, you know, we weren't able to to spend a lot of time or time away with each other, as you do in pre-season. It allows, you know, the new players and the foreign players to, to gel and get to know each other. So it was a good opportunity for us um, to, to have that week away in Sydney, um, you know, Plus, to be able to get the seven out of the nine points, which was, you know, a really, really, uh, really positive result for us going forward, um, enabled then the players and staff to be able to just, you know, find out a little bit more about each other away from football, which is always nice, and learn about different cultures where people have come from and their upbringings and history and where they've played. So, um, all in all, it was a great week to be away and, and, and get, uh, you know, a little bit of... Um, team bonding, even though we're, you know, we're 10 games in. I know maybe pro sports teams perhaps don't like the term turning point, but do you feel that that week might have been a, a real significant week for the club? Not only the the fantastic results that were picked up, but, you know, we'd had that month off, had the defeat against Wellington when we came back, but three great results, getting the group together, getting everyone bonding and close together. Do you feel that really helps, sets us up for the rest of the season now? Oh, it definitely helps. Every part helps, not only just, you know, the trip away, um, but, you know, training every day. We don't look too far ahead. We always look day to day. Um, for us, we just don't look at results. We look at see how we're performing and how we can keep improving week to week. And every game is different, always different. Um, and you know, I'm, I'm sure the, the, the fans and the punters watching the game will say, "Oh, they expected to win this week. This one ooh, could be a tough game." But we don't look at it like that. Um, every game is always very difficult in their own merits, in their own way. Um, so, defining as a as a turning point in the season, no, I, I wouldn't say it will help. 100%, definitely. These these experiences always help the players and the staff. Um, but that's part of the journey along the way. Um, but I think, you know, there's still a long way to go. Um, we're still relatively very, very new, uh, still understanding, uh, you know, the style of certain players and, and, and grouping them together. Um, so, 
as I said, we just take bit by bit, day by day, training session by training session, and we always then just analyse the performance rather than the result. Well, you are new as well. You're new to the club this season. Uh, what led you to joining Western United? What was the draw card for you? John Aloisi. <laughs> no, look, I was out of work. I was working at Perth um, and uh, I, was, I was out of work. So John got the opportunity to come to West United. He told me about the, the ambitions they had, his, his vision for the club, um, you know, where, where he wanted to improve the, the football club. And um, it sounded very exciting. I spoke to then uh, the administration, the CEO, the, uh, the board, and um, everything that John spoke to me about at the club, they just reiterated. And I thought it was a very excellent project to get to be, uh, be involved in. You had a prior relationship with John. You would have crossed paths in the, in the national team back in the day, right? Yeah, yeah. I've worked with John. I've worked with John early in my career, my very first uh, professional coaching job at Melbourne Heart many, many yeah. years ago. Um, so I know John, I know how he works, I know how he, he thinks, how he wants his teams to play, how he wants his values and um, and his way of, of running a football department, not only on the field, but away from the football. So our, our philosophies, not only on the pitch, but off the pitch, align very well. Um, so it was, it was an easy decision for me to come and join him. How do you feel both yourself and John have developed uh, in, in that time? Because obviously that's that's some 10 years ago now yeah. uh, when you were together at Melbourne Heart. So what getting back involved uh, and working alongside him, How um, where, are the, where are some of the differences this time around? Oh, look, the, the things that you can't control, then you have to let go. You will... When I joined John back then, I was very, that was, I said, that was, I was fresh out of playing. So you have all these ideas, um, but some that you can't control. So, and as, as the years and as you experience the highs and the lows and all the different emotions of the game, you learn to, to deal with them situations a lot easier, a lot better. And you, learn, you, you make mistakes, you make a lot, and we still make a lot of mistakes. Um, but you learn, I think, to, to deal with them in a better way, more mature way. Um, and you've probably dealt with them situations along the way a lot more. So they're, they're a lot easier to deal with. Um, and that comes with experience and you're constantly learning, just like the players are learning every day, as us as coaches and really us as human beings, we're learning every day still. That's right. And uh, this season at Western United, you seem to be taking... Uh, a pretty measured approach with, you know, the reactions to each performance and so forth. You know, John Aloisi doesn't get too carried away after a win or too down after a loss. It's uh, it's pretty steady, Eddie. You've got a plan and you're just slowly progressing towards it. And, you know, the team hasn't reached its peak yet. Yeah, yeah, you're right. And you can't. Look, the game, it's, 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 it's tough at times because the game is so emotional and everyone's mm. so highly involved in every moment. You know, the fans and 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 the staff and the players are kicking every ball. Um, but you've got to learn to then try and hide them emotions. not easy, but try and hide them and, um, and, and, and try and keep every moment as if it's, if it's the same moment. You know, if, you, if we win, we lose, we draw. Um, you, you can't get too carried away because you know the next performance um, can, can change or the next result can change. So if you keep things level um, and you try and just look at now your preparation and your performance and 
hopefully you keep building uh, in the right direction along them ways. And I just wanted to ask you about you and John and your personalities because you said you, you share a pretty similar outlook on on football, uh, but you cut pretty different figures on the sideline. I mean, John is he, John almost doesn't say anything during a game, and that's actually amazing to me that he's so cool during it and only really you know gets up when there's something that really needs to be addressed. And, and you're often the one off your seat and uh, having words to the players or the fourth official or whoever. Yeah, not too much. I, I, we like to encourage. 100%. Uh, John's, John's, you know, he's a very laid back, relaxed, relaxed yeah. uh, character. And that's one of his strong traits. You know, he doesn't let the emotion get hold of him. Um, plus, he's a good looking Italian Australian. Um, <laughs> so it's easy for him to so, sit there and everyone assumes yeah, that he's got it under control, he's in right? His suit and he looks good. So, um, <laughs> so, um, yeah, so we, look, we we uh, we complement each other. Um, you know, I know what John is thinking um, most of the time, not always, but most of the time, I know what he's thinking and, and what, what he wants to do. And I know his preparation is, you know, second to none. Which, like a lot of the good coaches in the, in the league and, and abroad, that the preparation is key. So you're ready for any moment that comes, um, and he's no different. So. We, um, we have a good working relationship and we have a good relationship away from the pitch. What's, um, what's it been like? We've talked about you reunited with, um, with John as well, but also a number of the, um, the playing squad you would have worked with previously in your time at the Wanderers and, and Perth. Yep. Thinking off the top of my head, probably Topo Stanley at, West, um, at Western Sydney. Yep. maybe Josh Risden in there as well. Yep. So what's it been like again, doubling up with, with some of those players and, and seeing them again a few years down the line? Yeah, good. Look, uh, you always want to try and uh, have a good, healthy work relationship with players. It can't always be. You know, there's different characters for whatever reason. Sometimes you, you can't always uh, see eye to eye. Away from, but on the pitch and in the working environment, it's important that you, you go the same direction. Um, with some of the guys that I've worked with, the ones that you mentioned, Josh Risden and Nikolai Topper-Stanley, Neil Kilkenny that I've worked with before, these guys are, you know, professionals that want to keep improving, um, improving every day, even at the age of Nikolai and, and Neil. Okay, Riz is a little bit younger, but he's been around for a long time. Uh, these guys were brought to the club at Wanderers and Perth because of their work ethic and their values. Mm. And we thought it was important, uh, well, Josh was already here, but it was important that we brought p- players like Neil Kilkenny and, and, and Topper Stanley to the club to, to continue uh, and, and bring the values that we wanted to bring to the football club. And, you know, um, these guys are being pros for a long time. They know what's required. They're good around the change room. Not only are they good players, but they're good human beings. And that's what you need um, if you want to build a, a successful, successful football team and football club. A while ago, we spoke to Neil Kilkenny on the station. He mentioned, you know, you as one of the reasons that he came to Western United this season and the fact that you have a bit of an eye for detail in training sessions and point things out that players wouldn't usually think about necessarily uh, when they're in action on the field. Things like, uh, I think it was defensive body position was something that he brought up as an example of that. Uh, mm-hmm. So what, what do you try and focus on on the, on the training park? Is that, a, is that an accurate assessment of, of the kind of nitty-gritty detail that you try and get into with the players? Try to we we try to we try we try to improve the players as, as best they can as best we can, um, and if that's the smaller details because 
every moment in football, it's a little bit different to AFL and basketball and rugby league and, and cricket that, you know, there's their, their high scoring games where in football, it can be one moment, one action that can determine the game. Even though you could mm. be on top and controlling the game, one, one slight mistake or one slight step, one wrong way can uh, really determine the outcome of a game. So the smaller details uh, in how you want to defend or where you want to pass the ball, where you want to move and run are highly, highly critical. Mm. Just as the details are away from the pitch on how you recover and how you eat and how you prepare, uh, it, it goes hand in hand. And we're, we're both, John and I are, are both uh, big advocates for we believe that how you prepare is really how you will perform. Obviously, you've clearly had a, a big impact, uh, particularly on the defensive side of the game uh, since coming in. I think last season off the top of my head, I think Western United was uh, maybe, th- I think, third most goals conceded so far. Um, had a, a fantastic defensive record. You know, Jamie Young, well ahead in clean sheets. Um, Leah Lacroix has been fantastic at centre-back, as have the rest of the back four. And, and John Aloisi himself continues to to say that, well, it's it's not just the defence, it's also the forward pressure, the the yeah. defensive work of the the midfielders as well. For yourself, obviously, being a centre-back, um, playing in, in some of the best leagues around the world, Premier League, top divisions in Japan, is that always something that you've had in your mind getting into coaching, that you've got your the experience of playing as a defender, so you've always been sort of interested in the defensive side of the game as a coach as well? Oh, 100%, definitely. And, and, and you're right, and John's 100% right in that, that... You know, people look at you keeping clean sheets and they straight away, they look at the goalkeeper in the back four. But it's like the first line defence is your front players. Mm. So the front players and the midfield players uh, uh, are doing a hell of a job to, to help the back four. And then it's like the flip side is that when you want to when you want to score and or create goals, the, the, the ball always starts from, from the goalkeeper or the defence. So it works both ways. And you're only able to do things, you're only able to keep clean sheets and win games and, and be hard to beat and create opportunities when everyone's pulling together. Um, the players are pulling together, which is very important. The coaching staff is pulling together. So not only John and myself, but Vince Analysis, uh, John and Associatus, um, Mickey, the goalkeeper coach, and then all the supporting staff, we're all heading in the right direction. So it's not just one or two, it's everyone together which can enable you to perform. And then obviously the better performances you have, then obviously the results will come. They'll always come the results as long as you have your preparation, your performance. Going back as a, as a player, um, you go out and play and you just kind of work on a little bit on you making sure that you perform your, your individual role first and then what then you can help and whatever it needs to be to help the team. Um, but as the later part of my career, then you start looking into why. And, and so my, most most outcome or the likely outcome is when you get older, it's normal, your body starts to fatigue and it takes a little bit longer re- to recover. So you start to think that what you need to do to prepare yourself to be able to back up and back up and play and perform at a certain level. Um, and then you start to look into more detail on, you know, these smaller details on how to defend or how to attack or how to tackle, how to head the ball. 
that becomes you know uh, a lot, a lot more, not a lot more important, but you know, becomes very detailed in 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 mm. you being able to continue to play on. So that's where I got more of the detail and and, and and emphasis on the defensive side of the game. Nick mentioned your your playing career there, and I have to bring this up uh, because he's one of the great characters in in world football. As you played for Harry Redknapp at not one but two clubs he he left West Ham and then he took you with him right so tell us a little bit about working with Harry Redknapp and what that experience was like in the Premier League yeah yeah Harry was good Harry had this uh unbelievable uh man management skill he he was incredible he was able to to bring players that other other teams didn't want or were wanting to get rid of and able to put together a team that complemented each other Mm. Um, and he'd often do that. He'd often bring in players, and he'd change the team from week to week. Wouldn't always be the same team, even they, even if players scored two or three goals a week before, or you were man of the match the week before. He always put together his team that he who he thought could win the next uh, the next game. Um, he was a bubbly character. He's from obviously the east of London. Um, he knew his football. He knew his football very well. Um, he was he was. A pleasure to work for, um, and um, you know, as, as it showed, once I, I left uh, the UK, he went on to coach Tottenham in the Champions League, and at one point he was touted to be the the England national manager. Um, but yeah, he, it was always many exciting times, funny times, mm. and don't you worry when you didn't perform or things weren't going quite right, you, he would let you know, um, but in the right way. Is there a particular line of his that, that sticks with you to this day? <laughs> Anything that comes to mind that's broadcastable? <laughs> there is. One time we were at Portsmouth. I can't think who we were playing. And um, he was getting interviewed after training. So I think it was the day before a game. And we'd all finished. And there were some younger boys shooting at goal or having some shots or whatever they were doing. And one hit Harry in the back of the head in the middle of the interview. <laughs> and um, he couldn't let it go. It hit him. He kind of looked around. He's thinking, you know, blimey, hell, where, where the hell did that come from? Anyway, so the, 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 the reporter asked him the question again. But he could see he was frazzled and he just couldn't let it go. And he got through halfway through answering the question again. And he turned around and he said, who kicked that bloody ball? And uh, someone said, oh, it was so-and-so. He said, yeah, well, now I wonder he's in the effing reserves. <laughs> <laughs> the goal was that way, not at my head. <laughs> uh, he was good. He was good, Harry. <laughs> Love it. Um, on your, your playing career as well, you, you spent a little bit of time uh, at Ajax as a, as a young player. That was your... Yeah. Uh, your first venture outside of Australia, obviously everyone knows the the aura of the, the Ajax Academy. How how special was that experience? Yeah, I, I learned a lot of, like, I was, I was very fortunate. I went to the Institute of Sport when I was 15 and I learned, and I've gone from, you know, community football, representative football with Blacktown City um, to going to some of the best junior coaching in Australia, which was Ron Smith at the IAS and um, learned a hell of a lot about the game. Um, and then I was very fortunate from there that I got an a opportunity to go to train with Ajax of Amsterdam. 
and um, just as a, an experience for, for four weeks. And then I didn't think anything of it. And then at the end of the four weeks, they said, have you got an agent? And I went, no, because at the hour, I was an Australian kid. I didn't have an agent. I didn't know. And they said, well, <laughs> you might need one. We'd like to offer you a deal and we'd like you to stay here. And I, I didn't really know what to expect. Um, I did it tough, to be honest. I did it tough. I decided to stay. Spent two years there. Um, great learning, great development. Hell of a football club, um, producing a lot of young players. Um, but I was homesick. That's for sure. I was homesick. Uh, the first six months were probably the toughest of my life. Um, I wanted to go back. Uh, I wanted to go back to Australia, where it was going to be comfortable and easy. Um, but like anything, you, you kind of stick at it. Um, my dad, who was kind of like more the, the tough one, um, and my mum was the softer one in our household, when she turned around and told me, no, you stay, you stick it out, um, I said, okay, my well, mum's been a little bit serious here. So I stuck it out, and it was one of my, um, my best decisions I've ever made. Because it would have been easy to to kind of come back and and have it a little bit easier here, but I stuck it out, and then you learn to cope, and that set me up for my career of being away for 15, 20 years. It's interesting we talk about young players and and development, and I guess having this professional league back home where you know it is so well run and so professional, it would it have been easier for you to just pack it in and come home if, if the A-League had been there waiting for you as opposed to a part-time league like the NSL probably. was? Yeah, probably. It would have been easier. Um, it would have been easier, but that's not what I wanted. That's not what I was dreaming of. You know, my dream was that I wanted to be a professional footballer in Europe. Um, so I had to keep reminding me that's where I wanted to be. I was, I was fortunate enough that I had played other professional Australian players in Europe at the time, and they'll help me go through this little period because they would have experienced that when they were younger and when they were first, their first time away. Um, so you're right, it would have been easier, but um, yeah, during that period, uh, I kind of uh, I, I, I put in my mind that uh, I was staying there and, you know, mm. if, if it wasn't going to work out, then, well, you know, it wasn't from not, not putting effort in and not, not from trying. Absolutely. What are some of your, excuse me, some of your best experiences of, of those years overseas playing? I'm sure you would have rubbed shoulders with some incredible players. You obviously mentioned Harry Redknapp as a, a fantastic manager that you worked under. Yeah, give us, give us a few, um, yeah, uh, uh, the, the most special memories. Oh, some, some great memories, like... Um... There's some great memories and there's some, you know, and some really, really sad memories, um, which goes along with football. You know, I was, I was fortunate to get promoted with Portsmouth and to see the, 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 the elation, yeah, the, just the smiles and the elation of people's, people's faces in, in that small, small town of Portsmouth or small city of Portsmouth that meant the world to them, you know. Um, and then, yeah, unfortunately, I got relegated with Leeds. And, um, you know, to see on their faces what it meant to them and, you know, the agony that they were dealing with, you, you know, you don't, you don't realise the actual, how, how much the fans really, really, you know, are embedded with you, you know, in, in the football club. 
because you you know as a player and there's not many players that stay at one club for a long period of time and players come and go um, but the fans and the people involved at the club are there for a lifetime so the emotions of both high and low you know they, they stick with you um, meeting lots of good people you know lots of good people that are still in contact with today and if I needed help with anything uh, they needed help then you know you'd, you'd give an arm for them and, and help them reach out um, learning about different cultures you know, I know I know in Australia here we're very multicultural I, I know that but to actually go and live in in various different countries with different cultures you know you learn to accept and you understand how people are thinking um, so there's been some great great experiences um, we got to the Emperor's Cup final with the late Eddie Thompson. I played with Tony Popovich and Tony Vidmar, uh, Arulio Vidmar. Um, the club had never had any success. So that, that was a big, big event for, uh, for Sam Fretchay. And then representing Australia and going to the Olympic Games, they were always you know, very fond memories, definitely. Playing, with, playing for your country, green and gold, um, always, always was close to my heart. Well, I always like to ask central defenders who've had illustrious careers such as yourself, is there anyone who stands out as a direct opponent that you had the toughest time marking? It's a tough question to put you on the it's spot. It's tough because there's a, there's a lot of different ones for different reasons with different playing styles. Yeah. So, you know, um, Thierry Henry, during his period when the Arsenal were invincible, he was virtually invincible, mm. you know. And we and used to think, I'll be honest, he used to think, oh, I'll just go and kick him. But you think about it, when he was a young boy, he came to Arsenal and he was up against Steve Bold, Tony Adams, Martin Keown. Yeah. So he would have been getting belted every day at training. <laughs> <laughs> so you couldn't do that. And you couldn't get near him to belt him. So uh, he, he just used to glide across, across the park. He was, he was phenomenal. Um, Zola, Zola was, oh, he was a talent. Because he, he could change direction very quickly. So you think you got him, he'd have his back, back to goal and you think no problem he's going back towards his own goal and all of a sudden he just one movement left right or right left and he's on the other side of you you know he had that ability and uh and then there was then big duncan ferguson who you knew you were up for you were in for a game (laughs) he'd almost growl at you I don't think people need to have seen Duncan Ferguson play. They just need to see him on the sideline now with Everton. You know exactly what he's like. You know? <laughs> yeah, but he was a good player. He was a good striker. Yeah. I know he was tough. He was hard, but he was a good. He used to get himself in the great positions. He was intelligent um, and lethal in the box. By the same token, are there any teammates that that jump out as as any that you? Love playing with in particular. I'm not sure if um, you know paths might across the West Ham with Frank Lampard, for example. Yeah. Any of those young players that you they thought, uh, yeah, well, yeah, they were. We, we Paolo De Canio, we, we I played with him for two years, um, and he was a he was unbelievable. He was so eccentric. He was a bit crazy, <laughs> but you know he had so much ability, um, and he was you know. You know, he, he come with everything, you know. So he brought his own fitness star, his own masseur. He'd have his own special nutrition diet and he's trying to tell everyone this, that, the other. But, you know, um, and that, that was in the English days and everyone would be drinking and he'd be going crazy. Why are you going to drink? But he'd be there, you know, smoking two packs of cigarettes a day. You know, that was, <laughs> that was, that was Paolo. 
Um, so, yeah, and then I tell this story about Frank Lampard, and it's so true. So he was a young young player at West Ham, and he was playing regularly. So he was in the Premier League. Um, we were, you know, mid, a mid-table team. Um, one season, I think we, we finished seventh. So we had one of the seasons we finished quite high for, for West Ham. Um, but Frank, so he was in the he was in the uh, under twenty ones England team. He was pushing for the, uh, a, a spot in the national team, the full men's. He was playing week in week out at uh, West Ham. You think most people would be quite satisfied with that? Not Frank. Frank, um, you know, one two days a week would stay behind, and he'd do he'd do these runs and these sprints because he wanted to get quicker and he wanted to be able to play box to box. He wanted to be able to get on the ball, spray the ball, and then be able to get into the opposition box and score goals. Well, so he did this. I remember. I remember for the year I was at West Ham, that first year with him, and he'd be doing that twice a week. Boom, 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 boom. Well, he ended up being a Chelsea Chelsea legend, you know, one of the best players England ever produced and one of the best box-to-box midfielders that played in the Premier League. And he scored goals. And I remember that was his thinking. I need to get the box. I need to get the box. And that just I, I use him as an example because most players would have been, you know, satisfied of where they were at, you know. And he wanted to get better. He wanted to be better. He wanted to improve. And he wanted to really leave a legacy uh, on his style of football. Uh, there was a great clip that went around recently, which was, I think it was Harry Rednap, who, of course, has got fam- family relation to uh, presenting him at this press conference uh, at West Ham. One of the journalists has a go at Harry and says, why'd you let all these, you know, better midfielders go, you know, and signing Frank, you know, he's overhyped or whatever. And, and he got super defensive and said, no, you know what? I didn't want to say this in front of him, but he is going straight to the very top. And I, I guess Harry Rednap knew from the word go, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, there you go. Wouldn't, wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, it's... Uh... You just know, you know, he had that mentality that uh, he wanted to keep getting better. Um, mm. He came from a very good footballing family, mind you. Um, but, you know, that's only one thing, having the talent, but to have the dedication, the mentality, uh, that's that's another thing. That, that separates the, the top, top players from the rest. Well, let's get back to Western United then. This has been a lovely trip down memory lane, but uh, let's, let's talk about this upcoming game against uh, Sydney FC on Saturday. Uh, building yep. on this good away trip, uh, what kind of a challenge do, to Sydney pose? They've got a lot of their more experienced sort of foreign players and so forth getting fitter and coming back into the mix. So it's not going to be an easy one. No, there's, as I said, there's never never any easy games uh, wherever you play around the world. Um, and in particular, the A-League. That's what makes the A-League so exciting. Anyone can mm. can uh, can beat anyone in, in, in any moment. So... Sydney are a good team. They're experienced. They've been playing. They've had Steve Corica. Um, they've been um, playing the same system. They know each other. They know the system very well. Um, and yeah, you know, this year they've been. Yeah, you know, they've had a few injuries and a few Socceroos go away and be missing. So it's given a chance for some of the younger players and the, the players just outside and pushing and pushing for a spot to get some minutes and game time, which gives them a load of confidence. They started a little bit slowly, um, and that can be from a lot, you know, a host of reasons because of, of COVID. So you don't know exactly how, who could train, who couldn't, um, you know, for, for various reasons. Um, and we're expecting a tough game. You're always going to expect a tough game from Sydney FC um, with and without the ball. They're very disciplined without the ball. And with the ball, they've got players that can hurt you. They've got players that can run in behind. They've got players that can get on the ball. 
Um, so again, our approach will be like every other game, um, where, where are they vulnerable and, and where are their strengths? And we have to be good, and I mean very good, with and without the ball um, to beat them. But they'll be thinking the same about us, for sure. They would have been seeing us. We've been hard to beat. We create opportunities. Um, we're, in, we're in good form. The boys are confident and they're happy. Um, so it'll be a really good game. Well, top of the table, taking on uh, probably the most successful Australian club side in recent years. Should be a fantastic match. And uh, uh, yep. the TV schedulers think so too. It's prime time on Saturday night, 7.45 kickoff. So best of luck with that one, Hayden. And uh, we look forward to seeing you back home on, uh, on Sunday week. Yep. Okay. Thanks for having me on, boys. It's been a pleasure. Assistant coach Hayden Fox joining us here on The Green Room. We'll take a break and come back with more on the other side.